Tuesday, in case you didn't get the memo, is uh, election day. Uh, the easy choice would be just to skip it and say it's too hard, it's too complicated. Uh, I have a question, is there anything too hard for the Lord our God? And the answer is? Okay. So I believe if you'll, you got 48 hours, so if you haven't already, start praying and thinking and asking and knocking uh, and seeking the Lord, and I believe he'll make himself very clear to you. Uh, but again, the challenge is we should be the best citizens. We should be the most responsible citizens as followers of Jesus. So uh, make sure you uh, make the time to get out there and uh, make your vote count tomorrow at 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m. Uh, in the old kitchen, uh, room 101, opportunity to gather and pray for our nation. Uh, you certainly are invited. Uh, Pastor Chad and Peter are going to head up that time. So again, that's tomorrow, 7.14 a.m., 7.14 p.m. And I think that's after Second Chronicles 7.14, right? Okay, good. Good thing you didn't go after John 3.16. You'd be here at 3.16 in the morning. So, good going. <laughs> that was wise choosing there. Uh, after second service today, uh, we have a luncheon uh, that's pay whatever you want. Is that right? Harbor Light folks are here from the Christian school. Um, where are you at? Can you... Okay, stand up. We want to see you. Yeah, yeah they're going to feed you today if... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Led by our very own fearless Elizabeth Cleavorn and others. Nice job, yeah. Uh, soup luncheon, is that right? Uh, two buckets, I understand. You can either uh, give towards Haiti and the disaster relief for our uh, sister church or Harbor Light Scholarship Fund for those who'd like to. Is that correct? Is that how I understand? Okay, so that's after second service. If you don't feel like cooking, if you're tired of going to Wendy's, uh, come back and just go to uh, the uh, gymnasium. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, so anyway, that, that's happening uh, today. Uh, we've got loving like Jesus stuff coming strong and hard. Lots of activity for members of our Walloon Lake family. I understand, Cal, every week, heading over to Central Elementary, uh, the very finest elementary school in all of Petoskey, I understand, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the principal, in case you didn't know, okay, so I thought I'd maybe give that a little background. Uh, anyway, they're going to Central Elementary every week, and they're helping tutor and help some, some students get better and investing in the lives of children. So I just want to say to those four of you every week, nice job. Uh, we've got people going out of their way to pick others up, to give them rides to church. And some said, and it's not exactly easy or, or uh, always the, the most uh, uh, easy thing to do, but thank you for doing that. We have a college student whose roommate moved out unexpectedly. Think, think about this. And the roommate had all the stuff in the apartment. So they left, and there was nothing hardly left. Uh, several of our ladies gave dishes and pots and pans and tables and lamps to help this student out. And ladies, you know who you are. This student felt lots of love of Jesus from you. So well done. And one final report that came in. There are uh, five different Walloon Lake Community Church families. Ladies, children, men helped a local widow cut, split, and stack her firewood for the entire year. 
I'd say that was a big investment of time and energy. And that, that, that widow wants you to know she felt loved like Jesus. So well done, five families. So lots of, lots of love going on. Um, I'm hoping that these folks are here because uh, we're a little late on this one. I, I just heard word there's a couple that have been loving like Jesus to each other for 65 years. 65 years. So, uh, Lois and Theron, are you here today? Theron and Lois, are you here? We want to we wanna congratulate and celebrate with you, yeah. They'll be uh, in the cry room if you have uh, any need for advice. Uh, we call that the family room, sorry. It's the family cry room, yes, if you'd like to, uh, to meet with them. Yeah, I'm sure they'd have lots of good words of wisdom. That's, that's lots of loving like Jesus to each other and forgiving and, and uh, pardoning the other person and seeking. Anyway, that's good stuff. Uh, we are in week number eight of our study through Genesis to Revelation, the Bible through the story. That's page 103 today, if you have the story with you. Um, I've been doing uh, a five to ten minute run-up. We're not going to do that today. Uh, we uh, are a little short of time with uh, child dedication. So uh, we're going to jump right in today. And if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Judges, page 103 in the story. Um, chapter 8 in the story covers most of the book of Judges. Uh, Judges is the action-adventure book of the Bible. How many of you like action-adventure novels or movies? Can I see your hands? Uh, my hand's up there. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, it's filled with blood and guts. I I'm telling you, it's PG-13. Uh, treachery and heroes, failure and deliverance. It's quite the interesting book. Um, and uh, some of it you're saying, whoa, that's in the Bible? Yep, that is. Uh, Judges 1 and verse 1 gives the setting. So if you have the very first verse there, here's what Judges 1.1 says. After the death of Joshua, the Israelites asked the Lord, who of us is going to go out first to fight the Canaanites? Uh, our leader is gone, uh, so what are we going to do? Uh, Moses got the children of Israel out of Egypt, slavery to the Egyptians, and uh, he is the one who... Uh, helps them to get to the edge of the promised land, then they wander around because of their unbelief. How long did they wander? Forty years, right. Joshua is Moses' successor, and last week we saw that he leads them into the promised land, victory after victory. They've taken possession of the land flowing with milk and honey. So now Joshua, their leader, is dead. He's gone on to his inheritance most of the, the heavy lifting is complete. Uh, about 80% of the land is under their control. 80%. So, so they're about at a B-minus level. Uh, the book of Joshua is positive, victorious. People are excited. They're filled with courage. They're filled with hope. They're filled with faith. Um, book of Judges, not so much. <laughs> book of Judges is the picture of the people of God who got comfortable. The book of Judges is, 
is children of God, and now they're kind of on cruise control, and they're rather complacent, and they're rather content, and they're kind of coasting along nicely after Joshua died, and most of them, it seems, were okay with having just 80% of the promised land in their possession. Most of them, they said, you know, B minus, 80%, you know, maybe C plus. Uh, we're okay with that. We're okay with a B minus, C plus, And uh, they were okay with that. So that begins this ugly cycle that gets repeated again and again and again in the book of Judges. Let me just work through the cycle. And if, if you read through the book of Judges, you see this. Uh, Israel is faithful. They serve the Lord. We're, we're with you, Lord, full of hope, full of courage, full of faith. Uh, second step in the cycle, they fall into sin. Why? Because that 20% of the land that wasn't yet theirs was filled with other nations who worshipped other gods. And they kept getting sucked into worshipping other idols. And uh, they fell into the sin of idolatry. Third step, <clears throat> Israel is enslaved by their sin, by their enemies. Fourth step, they wake up, oh no, we're in trouble. Help, Lord, deliver us from our captors. Fifth step, the Lord raises up a judge to be his tool, his man, or in one case, anybody know the female judge? What was her name? Deborah, yeah. So his man or his woman uh, to deliver them. And sure enough, sixth step, delivered Free for his chosen people, once again they're free, and for a time they're once again serving and following and obeying Jehovah God. This cycle is repeated again and again and again in the book of Judges. Uh, here's why you need to understand that, that pattern, because we're prone to follow that similar pattern ourselves. We walk faithfully and obediently to Jesus, we drift into prodigal land, we get involved with sin pretty soon. We're slaves and imprisoned by our sin. We cry out to the Lord, Lord, help. I don't like being enslaved. I don't like eating with pigs. And Jesus, through his word and through his spirit and through his church, brings us victory, frees us. We have freedom and peace. We're walking with Jesus. And then we're saying what? Just me and you, Lord. Just me and you. And then we keep walking, and then in time we slowly drift and once again, we're, we're back in the cycle. If we're not careful, we follow the very same cycle of sin that the children of Israel did in the book of Judges. We're going to zero in on a section of Judges chapter 2 this morning. kind of illustrates well the challenge for those of us who've seen Jesus active and alive in our lives. And then we get comfortable and we get content and we get settled and we kind of put our lives spiritually on cruise control. Would you stand with me if you're able? We're going to read from Judges chapter 2. We'll start with verse 6. We'll read down through verse 17. There might be a few words that are kind of long and unfamiliar. Are you ready? Here's a secret. We'll learn this in, in, in Bible school, okay? If you, don't, if you can't say the word, if you don't know how to say it, just say watermelon. You're, you're, yeah. And, yeah, so just go watermelon, and your lips will be moving. Everybody will think, you, you knew how to say that word, okay? There you go. That's your spiritual tip for the day. Uh, let's read out loud together. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. 
The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath, here's in the hills country of Ephraim, north of Gaza. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They aroused the Lord's anger. Because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asherahs. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them. Just as he had sworn to them, they were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors, who'd been obedient to the Lord's commands. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for giving us this section of the book of Judges. And you've given it to us so that we can learn and grow from and... Uh, Lord, I believe that what we've just read about and what goes on in the book of Judges has lots of application for the church today in, uh, in the U.S., in the church at Welland Lake. Lord, help us to understand and process what exactly was going on with your chosen people back in Judges chapter 2. And Lord, I pray that you'll give us the ability to jump from 1200 B.C. all the way up to 2016. Lord, uh, we invite your uh, spirit, the third person of the Trinity, to come and be welcomed in your church at Walloon this morning. May the power of your word and the power of your spirit meet with us and change us. And Lord, the truth is we, we really need to be more like your son, Jesus. So would you come and do a work in our lives? We're ready to respond. We're ready to hear from you. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one voice, you may be seated. Verse 10, Judges chapter 2, like jumps off the page. So if it didn't, uh, we're having video issues. That was not Dan's fault. Uh, it's being a little naughty. Uh, the, uh, the technology demons are at work today. So uh, uh, anyway, verse 10 uh, is what just jumps off the page. It seems unbelievable. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, after the people of Joshua's generation died, 
another generation, the next generation grew up, and here's the unbelievable part, who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So you've got Moses and you've got Joshua, that generation. And it's the next generation, now they've taken possession of the land. Do you notice what it says? They didn't know about the, they didn't know what had happened. They, they didn't know the Lord's word. They didn't understand what God, Jehovah, was all about. The sobering fact is this. We're always only one generation as followers of Jesus from extinction. We're only one generation from shriveling up and dying as a church. All it takes is for one generation not to pass on Jesus and his word well, and the next generation is in trouble. And that's exactly what's happened here. Uh, somehow, they didn't get it passed on. And this is unbelievable. Because Joshua and his generation, think of all the things that they had seen. They saw God raise up this guy who couldn't speak well. And his name was Moses, and he went up against this, this fighting hero called Pharaoh, the most powerful man on earth. And then the ten plagues culminating with what? The shed blood on the doorposts and the uh, Passover going on and the spotless lamb and all those who had the blood on the doorposts, on the door frames of their houses. They were spared. Uh, Pharaoh decides to chase them. Remember? The Red Sea parts. What happens to Pharaoh's army? Two to three million walk on dry ground. What happens to Pharaoh's army? Uh, they're dead on the bottom of the Red Sea. Forty years the Lord provides their very food, quail, manna. They're led by the Lord with a cloud, pillar of fire by night. Then this ra ragtag group of exiles, they come in and conquer the land that they're now possessing. Now look back at verse 10. And somehow that message didn't get passed on. Somehow they forgot to to literally get that tattooed on the hearts and the minds and the souls of their children and their grandchildren. And uh, it, it's tragic. Verse 10, Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. The generation who had seen the Lord work firsthand, do amazing stuff, they failed to successfully pass on their faith they, they failed to pass on to, God, to them God's Word and the amazing, powerful things they had saw God do right in front of their very eyes. So who failed here? Who failed? Was it Joshua that failed? Was it Moses? Was it Aaron? Was it Caleb's fault? Who was at fault? Who was responsible for passing the good news of what Jehovah God had done and all that he was demanding and expecting, who failed to pass on that message? Turn with me in your Bible to Deuteronomy 4 and verse 9. I want to show you who was responsible. Because Moses told him who's responsible. 4.9 Deuteronomy, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Here's the answer. Parents, teach them to your children and to their children after that. So in case your grandparents think you're off the hook, 
not true. Verse 9 says, it's the responsibility of the parents and then the grandparents to pass on Jesus and God's Word and the message of faith to the next generation and to the next generation. You want to see it again? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and slide down to verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Tie them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your hearts and on your gates. Again, I'm just telling you, parents, grandparents, everywhere you go, you talk about Jesus. You talk about your faith. You live it out. Who is responsible for training and teaching and equipping the next generation? Who failed? Answer me. Parents and the, and the grandparents. Not the priests. Not the leaders. It was the moms and dads. Well, that's the old section. That really doesn't apply to us, right? Well, it does, but I would say that pattern is reaffirmed. Ephesians 6, 1-4. Colossians 3, 20 and 21. I'm telling you again, parents, you are primarily responsible to pass the baton of faith and obedience to your children. If they don't get it, it's nobody else's fault but your own. It's your responsibility, parents and grandparents, to pass it on. So, here's my question. Why did that whole generation miss it? How could that happen? And why do so many today fail to pass on well their faith in Christ to the next generation? Uh, I'm, I'm going to offer you up five reasons, okay? So if you're taking notes, here we go. Five reasons why that uh, we don't successfully pass on uh, our faith to the next generation. First uh, reason is some of us don't realize it's our job. I assumed that that's why we come to church. I assume that's why we take our children to Wednesday night Awana. I assumed that we do a little bit, but it's really the church's responsibility. So let me ask you a question. If you only took your child to school two hours a week, and you never talked about school, you never looked at their homework, you, you never found out how they're doing. You never checked their grades. Um, after a few years, how do you think they would be doing academically if it was just two hours a week and you really didn't pay much attention? How, how do you think they'd be doing? Uh, I, I would argue they, they would be dumb as... I don't know if this is politically correct. I think, I think they would be dumb as rocks, okay? Uh, because you're not involved. You're, you're not acting as though it's important. It, it's just two hours and... And it's your responsibility, teachers. And I'm just telling you, it's the parents' role. Pastor Brandt, by the way, he's in Israel right now, in case you're wondering, kind of having the trip of a lifetime uh, with Christine. Uh, Pastor Brandt and Dorothy, children's director, they're kind of fine-tuners. They're, they're going to help you enhance your role of passing on Jesus to the next generation. But I'm just going to say it one more time. Parents, it's your responsibility. Second reason why parents, uh, many of them, fail to pass on their faith in Christ is we allow the false gods of this world, the idols of this world, to get their hooks in our children. And, and, and while the, 
the world around us is getting their hooks in our, in our children, we kind of turn our heads and say, you know, it's a tough world. It's, it's hard, and, and I don't want to be the bad guy, and, and I don't, I don't want to be the only parent who doesn't let my child listen to that kind of music. Uh, I, I don't want to be the only parent who doesn't allow them to watch whatever they want on uh, DVDs or on the television. I, I don't, I don't want to be the bad guy and say, I don't think you should be hanging with this person because I, I hear their mouth, I see their actions, I don't like it. But if I tell them no, then i got a fight on my hands. It's just easier just to go along and get along. If that's you, and you're just going to let your child run wild and do whatever they want, um, verse 12 says this, uh, they will forsake the Lord, Joshua 2, and they will follow and worship the various gods of the people around us. So, so if you just want to kind of be a hands-off parent and not get involved and not protect and not lead and guide, uh, here's what's going to happen. They'll forsake the Lord and they'll just follow the various gods of this world around them. So if you're not going to do your job, they'll do their job well. They'll jump in and they'll influence and they'll do a really good job at influencing. Third reason why many parents don't pass on their faith to their kids is we don't feel like we know enough about the Bible and Jesus, and what if they ask me hard questions, and I, then I won't know what, what it is I'm exactly supposed to say. Now, I want to tell you a little secret, okay? I became a youth pastor at a pretty young age, and um, many of the teens in 1982 were just a few years behind me. And some of them paid more attention in Sunday school than I had paid attention in Sunday school. You understand what I'm saying? So I, I, I realized um, I'm not very far ahead of some of them, and some of them actually might be a little bit in front of me. So suddenly I had this great motivation for Jeff to help me grow, and suddenly now I had to start growing to stay ahead of them. Are you tracking with me, parents, grandparents? So I'm just telling you, all you have to do is stay a little ahead of them. And now that's a good motivator for you to just stay in your faith a little bit ahead of them and, and it's amazing the Lord will use that to prompt you and actually then you'll have that opportunity to train and teach and be a spiritual mentor to your children, which we're called to be. Fourth reason why many Christian parents lose their kids when it comes to faith in the Lord. Um, are you ready? Uh, we claim, I love Jesus and I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm going to go to heaven, but our children don't see it very often in our lives at home. Did you notice how quiet it got? It's like, ooh. Uh, our children don't need or expect us to be perfect, but they do need to see something in us that's real and alive. And if our children and our grandchildren don't see Jesus alive and real and relevant, they have this amazing nose, it's almost like a bloodhound, to sniff out hypocrisy. Okay, you're saying with your mouth you love Jesus and he's number one, but I, I see in your life and I see in your behavior that he's really not. And, and there's nothing that will say to children, this is just really fake and it's not really real and it's sort of just pretend that if we're not really living it at home. Not perfectly. Uh, there is no perfect one. The one perfect they put on the cross, right? But, but again, if you'll be real with them and allow Jesus to be a daily part of your life, they're going to want that. Fifth reason 
why many Christ followers have children who want little or nothing to do with Jesus. Ready? We're just too busy. I'm just too busy. I got, I got life. I, I've got my hobbies. I, I got my job, and I've got my... Uh, you could just keep going on, and I'm too tired, and I'm too scheduled, and I'm too distracted. I don't have time to train and equip my child in, in Jesus. Okay? Give me your eyes, everybody. As a follower of Jesus Christ, and now as a parent or a grandparent, what is the main thing? Say it with me. The main thing is what? To keep the main thing the main thing. Now, maybe some of you don't know that yet, okay? So let's say it again. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing as a follower of Jesus is for you to daily follow and get connected and to walk daily with Christ and get your face in the book and live it out. And the first priority, the main thing is then to see that that's true in your kids' lives. And, and if you're too busy to do that, you ready? You're too busy. <laughs> Something needs to change. Something needs to be adjusted because that's the main thing. And, and if you don't have time for the main thing, if you don't have time to live and teach and train and model and mentor with your children, um, then you're too busy because that's the main thing, to see that our children want to follow in our footsteps, loving Jesus personally for themselves. So I, I guess I just want to say, no more excuses. Uh, going to get busy. We're going to devote ourselves. That's the main thing. The chief duty of parents is to teach and train our children and then our grandchildren to love Jesus and live for him. Amen? That was far too weak. You want another run at that? Because that was like, really? Okay. Uh, the chief duty of followers of Jesus Christ is to teach and to train and model and mentor our children to love Jesus and then live for him. Amen? Thank you. You were scaring me for a second. You guys are up an hour asleep. You should be more awake. About eight years ago, um, we were driving to Tyler, Texas to see our middle daughter, Brittany, graduate um, from the Honor Academy in Garden Valley, Texas. And on the way, uh, we're driving through Memphis. And if you're driving in Memphis, where do you have to stop? I mean, it would almost be wrong not to stop and tour Graceland. Elvis's home. Uh, at the end of the tour, anyone else been to Graceland? Yeah, about a dozen of us, okay. Uh, at the end of the tour, you wind up in the garden where Elvis Presley is buried. And I guess I, I didn't know, I didn't read up on it, I, it kind of caught me off guard, but suddenly we're standing before uh, literally his tomb. It was very somber, very sober, um, I, forgive me, I wasn't that huge of an, but there's people crying and uh, one lady's sort of wailing over there and it's, it's, it's really kind of sad. And you read uh, 42 years and his life is gone. A couple days later, we're now in Garden Valley um, and my daughter says, um, Dad, I think there's, there's something you'll be interested in she knew my very first Christian musician. Now, I, I had lots of ugly bands, and I won't name them, because uh, some of you will cheer, and you shouldn't be cheering for those bands. Uh, but 
But this, this guy was my first Christian musician that I could relate to, and he kind of took the place of a lot of really bad stuff, if you know what I'm saying. Um, and, and anyway, Brittany said, and, and he's buried just about a half mile from here. I said, I'd like to see that. His name is Keith Green. Uh, so we drive over, there's a little Baptist church, and right behind there's this cemetery. And uh, sure enough, you uh, look down, and there is the grave of Keith Green. And by the way, music is still powerful. But at 29 years old, uh, the plane was overloaded and uh, never should have had that many people. There were 11 people in the plane, and uh, literally it just less than a mile from the airport crashed, and all 11 died, including Keith Green, 29 years old. Um, so I just think back, I remember looking at Elvis's grave and going, whoa, 42. Keith Green, uh, right kind of at the zenith of his influence, uh, dead. It's a reminder to me, and it should be a reminder to you, you know this one and only life we get? It's really short. <laughs> it's really brief. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes says it's kind of like vapor or steam. How many of you are coffee drinkers? Can, can I see your hands? Yeah. yeah. You're tempted to put both hands up, aren't you? Uh, yeah. Uh, when you're holding that cup of coffee and it's, it's really hot and you see the steam rolling off, think with me now, steam's rolling off. How long do you see the steam? It, it's just there for a second or two and gone. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes equates our life with. That little bit of steam, that little bit of vapor coming off our coffee. Our, our our lives are here, and then, poof, they're gone. Since life is so short, and we don't know when our time on earth is going to be over, listen, doesn't it make sense? If, if this is the only shot we get at life, shouldn't we give it our all? If this is all we get, shouldn't we push? Shouldn't we give it all we have in every area for Jesus Christ? Doesn't that make sense? And yet I'm just telling you, you see here in the book of Judges, the temptation is to coast. The temptation is to get complacent and kind of just put it, you know, on, on autopilot. And we're just going to coast and, and it's fine and, and a C plus is okay. And I think if the Lord was here right now, he'd say, no, no, C plus is not okay. Because a C plus over time will deteriorate and pretty new, soon you're going to be in the D range and before you know it, you're going to be failing. And that's what the book of Judges says very loud and clear. It's not okay to coast. Because if you're not pressing forward, you're actually drifting backwards. I know in our culture today, it's tempting to get settled in and comfortable and coast. I want to close. Would you press forward? In the name of Christ, will you choose to make a difference and start with your family, start with your spouse, then move on to your kids and your grandkids and the people around you. Will you choose not to fall into contentment and comfortableness and complacency and pretty soon you're drifting backwards? I, I just want to challenge you, just as we close, will you say, Lord, by your grace, I, I want to press forward. By, by your grace, I want to make a difference with this one and only life that you've given to me. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes.
you need to know, this is true for each and every one of us, you're either pressing forward and you're fully engaged and you're daily walking with Christ and you're actively seeking to be filled by His Spirit and and daily you're hungry for His book and, and you're living out your faith, that's either true for you or you're drifting backwards. And I know if you're like me, you'd like that. Can I have a middle choice? Can I have a, a kind of dog paddling, just staying? And the truth is, there is no such thing spiritually as staying in place. You're either pressing forward or you're drifting backwards. And here's what I want to challenge you to do, right where you're seated. Lord, would you show me which is true for me right now today? Am I pressing forward? Am I marching on in your power in the name of your son Jesus? Is, is the flag flying high on a daily basis? Or Lord, is, is just the opposite true? I've gotten comfortable. I've gotten content. I've gotten complacent. Truth is, my life is on cruise control. I'm going backwards. Speak, Lord. We, we need to hear from you now. We're listening. get one shot at this thing called life. And life is short. And our opportunity to influence and affect the people around us, the people who matter most to the ones the Lord's placed around us, that time is fleeting. I just wonder how many of you would say, you know, Lord, it's, it's clear I'm not going in the direction that you'd have me to go. And by your grace, I want to start pressing forward. I I want that to change. I want that to turn around. And if some schedules, if some busyness needs to be adjusted, so be it. If I need to start working at getting ahead of that person that I should be influencing and mentoring and training and teaching... I'm going to work at getting ahead and staying ahead. If I need to be the bad guy and start saying no to some of the influences, the false gods, okay, Lord, with your help, I'll do it with love. Whatever it takes, Lord, I need to start pressing forward, whatever it takes. And if the Lord's knocking real loud at the door to your heart, would you just let him know? Lift up your hand. Lord, I've heard you. I'm hearing you right now. You're speaking to me. Yeah. Are there others? Lord, you're talking to me. You're talking my language right now. Anybody else? Anybody in the balcony? You're talking to me. Yeah. Okay, here's the the challenge part, okay? The reason we need church, the reason we need each other is because we don't do well on our own. 
private decisions made in private oftentimes quickly vanish and disappear. Okay, nobody knows. Nobody's going to ask. Nobody's going to hold me accountable. That's why we need the body of Christ, a big part of it. So uh, if you're serious, and if you want to start pressing forward, no more complacency, no more being content, no more putting it on cruise control. Lord, by your grace, I'm going to press forward. Would you stand before Jesus and his church? And that's where it gets kind of, kind of hard and kind of difficult. And, uh, and yeah, you're right. But this is where the rubber hits the road. This is where change really happens. Would you stand? Yeah. Anybody else? I'm standing before you, Lord. I've been drifting backwards. Maybe, maybe I'm not drifting quite as fast as some others, but I'm not pressing forward, Lord. Just give you another moment or two. Anybody else? You, you know that you need to move forward. You need to press on. You, you need to do what the Lord is making himself clear to you right now. And uh, by your grace... See me, I'm standing before you and your church right now. Anybody else? And I suspect there's a few of you, you're feeling kind of warm and, and challenged right now and you're fighting. Just stand. Just stand. Lord's working. Let him do his work. Okay, church. Uh, nobody should be standing alone. So now, now I'm going to ask you to gather around these folks. And they're making a strong stand right now. And I want you to go around them. And I'm going to lead in prayer, and then you're welcome. You can pray for them after that. But most of all, care enough to talk to them in the days and the weeks ahead. And if you don't know who you're praying for right now, has everybody got someone that you're uh, standing with? Please make sure everybody around. Balcony. Uh, if somebody's up there standing, would you please go and stand near them and put your hand on their shoulder? Let them know that you're standing with them. You're going to be praying for them. Okay, I'd like to pray out loud and then right where you're at, then you can, you can uh, do some loving and caring on those folks as well. Lord, uh, thank you for calling us back to the main thing. And the main thing in life is that we, as your children, follow strong after your son Jesus. And Lord, there's so many things that distract. There's so many things that entangle. There's so many things in this world that get our eyes and our hearts and our affections off of that main thing. So Lord, first and foremost, would you cause us to reaffirm the main thing? which is that your son, Jesus, is the capital G God of our lives. And whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, we're going to serve him with all of our mind, heart, soul, strength, whatever it takes. And Lord, I I pray that it wouldn't stop with us as individuals. Help us to pass it on. I I pray for those standing that need to uh, pass that message on and live Jesus strong in front of spouses that need to live Jesus strong in front of children and grandchildren and family and and co-workers. 
Lord, Lord, help us to keep the main thing regarding our relationship with others. And uh, Lord, when we mess up, help us to not just lay there in the ditch. Uh, help us to quickly uh, do the U-turn and run to the cross and get clean and get back in relationship with your son, Jesus. Lord, I'm asking that you might jolt us out of complacency and comfort and contentment. And Lord, may the church family, may especially those who are standing, may they shine bright for your son, Jesus, in this week ahead. And we ask all of these things in the amazing name of your son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of our souls.